Welcome to Books with Bagby, a podcast about books. In this podcast, I sit down with authors discussing the reason behind certain books that they've written, or we just sit and talk about education, music, technology, or something of the like. If you find this podcast to be your cup of tea, make sure you like, subscribe, and all the things. And share it with your friends, because solos are for brain, not education. And now, Books with Bagby. On this episode, I have the amazing Debbie Tannenbaum, and she is talking about her book, Transform, Techie Notes to Make Learning Sticky. Welcome, Debbie. How are you doing today? I'm great. I don't think I've ever had an introduction quite like that. Uh, well, you deserve it. Thank you. <laughs> You're quite welcome. So, I have just a list of questions I ask all the people all the time. And I'll start with you. What was your reason behind writing this book? Why did you do it? So the book actually wasn't where it all started. Um, In 2019, I started blogging. And as I started blogging, um, and when that was a journey in and of itself, because while I was working on starting a blog, I reached out to some people and I said, is this worth me sending? And they were like, you have a story that's different than other people's stories and you should share it. So I started blogging in 2019. And at the end of 2019, I was in a Twitter chat. And during that, it was a lead lap chat. And when I was in that chat, Jay Billy, who's the one who was leading it, said, if you could do anything in 20, for 2020, what would you want to do? And before I could even think about it, I posted <laughs> I wanted to write a book. And he was like, you should go do it. And of course, who knew that 2020 was the year that everyone <laughs> on earth was going to write a book, right? Yeah. Um, so I started working on it and... I really wanted to make sure that as I was doing this, that I told my story, but I also wanted to share with other people that even if your road isn't completely smooth and has ups and downs, you can still find what you need. And I wanted to share with them how technology had really transformed my life and transforms an acronym. And it really kind of takes you through my journey. It talks about how I turned away from teaching behind closed doors, how I revisited how I could use technology in education, how I used it to amplify creativity, how I used it to nurture student agency. And then in the second part of the book, I really spent time talking about how it transformed me, how I started began seeking connections outside of my school, and how I found my PLN. And then I started to offer my voice in 2019 with blogging. And then as I did all that, I found I was reaching beyond my expectations. If someone had told me five years ago that I'd be meeting you, going to TCEA for the second time and presenting um, and that I would have published a book, I would have said they were crazy. <laughs> um, and then at the end of the book, I talk about ways that we can really maximize learning using technology. And I thought it was just really important. So many times you read books and the integration of technology feels super complicated. And I really wanted to show people that it didn't have to be complicated, um, that there are easy ways to integrate it in, that there are certain ways that we can use tech tools, not just because we have to use tech tools, but because they really provide meaningful integration. And so it was super, super important to me to do that. When I first started writing it, I had no idea it was gonna go anywhere. And then at the end of 2020, um, 
I was part of something else where someone's like, well, why haven't you sent this to anybody? Um, and I had just started speaking to my publisher online. I met my publisher on Twitter, um, Darren <laughs> Peppard, and I was just like, I kind of just started reaching out to people and, you know, you just never know what happens. Um, but I'm really proud of the fact that I was able to put it out there and share my journey and that I found someone who really believed in my story to help me do that. Well, great. And I have another question that's not on the list, but you said you were in a Twitter chat and you said, what was it, Lead Lab? Lead Lab, yeah. What is a Lead Lab? Um, so it's um, Lead Like a Pirate with, um, so with Dave Burgess. Um, and so, but the coolest part of it is that when I wrote my book, Jay Billy, who was the person who kind of challenged me, he actually got to write an endorsement for my book. There you go. That's great. Of course, it's amazing how folks in this space are willing to help others, and, and so many it's, people don't realize how many folks are just there waiting to help you. Uh, I know that sounds absolutely, teasing, but it's true. I can't get over it, and like you know, in where I am in my journey now versus where I was five years ago, I want to be able to help other people too. So many people yes. have gone out of their way to help me in ways that I could have never imagined. I mean, I remember when I got the contract and I reached out to Rochelle Dene Poth and I'm like, you're a lawyer, right? Is this <laughs> something I should use? You know, And like everybody's just been so wonderful, um, you know, and I've been lucky enough to contribute to another book that came out this current year, um, Amplifying Instructional Design yes. by Edgematch. Um, but I've just really loved all of the experiences. I love being able to share what I love with others, whether it's through blogging or writing a book or presenting, you know, I want to make sure that my sessions offer people something that yes. they might not get anywhere else because there's so many sessions that are all the same. I'm trying to make sure I'm giving something a little different. There you go. That's a great idea. So um, thanks for that little tidbit. Uh, Rochelle Denae was actually one of the guests in the earlier episodes of the podcast, but I didn't even think about reaching out to her with my legal issues. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny though, because she very early on, I reached, I, I connected with her online and I started guest blogging for her and she's just always been an amazing resource and, you know, person who just reaches out and amplifies the voices of others. So I always appreciate her. She's been a, and when I finally got to meet her in person, it was, you know, it was great. But like, I just submitted my ISTE portfolio. And I, when I met up with her last year at FETC, I was like, I'm struggling with this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this done. She goes, yeah, I get it. Been there, done that. You're going to get it done. And I turned <laughs> it in two days ago. So fingers crossed. Yes, yes. <laughs> So what deep lessons or ideas do you want readers to walk away with from this book? So the first thing I think that's super important is that you don't have to do this alone. Um, I think far too often teachers are afraid of getting into trouble, that they feel vulnerability is a weakness. And honestly, the more vulnerable I've become, the stronger educator I've become. Mm -hmm. So I think that's super important. And that if you don't know how to do something in your classroom, there are people out there that you can reach out to. It might not be someone in your building. I've made the most amazing connections through the Teach Better Network, and I can't even explain how the, the way they those people have affected my life, because um, it's been so deep. But know that there are people who can help you with those things. I, you know, 
in addition, the idea that when we talk about using technology, it isn't just doing a program like Lexia or ST Math or Imagine Literacy and Learning, and they have their value. Yes. But we really need to make sure that our students are creating, and we need to make sure that they really understand, and the teachers understand how to pick tech tools that help our students create. It's very different than it was 20 some years ago when I got my master's in technology. We have these really amazing tools that kids can use like Adobe Creative Cloud Express and Canva. And those are free tools that our kids can use. So we really need to make sure that even at the youngest ages, our students are using that. That's something I'm super passionate about and I talk about in my book that even our little kids, I work with pre-K now and they're creating. If my little pre-K kids can create, (laughs) then all of our elementary school kids and beyond can create. So I think that's super, that's another super important thing. And just making, I'm sure that we, people understand that we want to create artifacts that demonstrate learning. Um, A lot of times I feel like people say, oh, well, I'm doing a project. Well, it's not about doing a project. It's about showing that process of learning. Yes. And, and far too often people aren't seeing that. I mean, I go into classrooms and they're like, and I say I want to. Co- I love co-teaching with teachers, and far too often they they don't see the bigger picture. And so I'm really trying to help them see the bigger picture. We're using this tool. The reason we're using this tool is whatever that reason is, and it's a process. And I had a teacher come up to me this week, and she was like, "We use Wixie a lot because I'm in the elementary school setting," and she's like. After you, you've come in a couple times, I, we've been working together, she says, I decided to do a trading card activity on Wixie to help them process what they were learning about in social studies. And she said, two students I have in my class who normally don't engage, love that activity. And I have these amazing samples of what they learned and how they've grown because of what the work we've done. That's what it's all about. That's great. And, and I appreciate you um uh, plugging my sessions that I have at TCA and IDEA Con because I'm talking about transforming those digital natives into from just consumers to creators with some of the Adobe tools. So, so I have to I have to say I think I heard you on Power Up, right? Yes. You were on the Power Up. Okay, and so when I heard you, and I heard you talk about taking people from digital natives to digital learners, it really resonated with me. And I have to say, it's as I present, and I talk a lot about those same topics as well, with, especially with our youngest learners, you took something that was in my head and you really gave words to it. So I really appreciate that. Well, I'm glad to be of service. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was doing. I, I did that on purpose. <laughs> No, so I really maybe, appreciate it. I couldn't remember who had said it until you said it. And I was like, oh, it's you. <laughs> yeah, I tend to say things that people are like, oh, yeah, you said that. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Um, one of the crazy things that I always say is uh, education. Uh, no, silos are for grain, not education. <laughs> so we need oh, to break like down that our silos and get out. Yes. So, Debbie, what was the greatest challenge in writing this book? It sounded like uh, it was something that was already in process. There's a couple other folks who have been on that wrote a bunch of blogs and they realized, wait a minute, I can collect these and curate the things that I've written and place them in a book that makes sense. Is that kind of what you did or 
What would challenge you? It, well, what I did is I came, it's funny because I came up with the acronym and then I kind of found what blog posts kind of worked within it. Um, and then I added a lot of stuff as I was working um, that winter break of 20, I guess, 2020. I was super motivated and, and, and it, like words just kept pouring out of me. Nice. Um, but the hardest thing for me was really it became my baby. I, I have four <laughs> four children of my own, two stepchildren and two biological kids. But it became my baby. And the editing process to me was by far the hardest part. Mm. Um, because I was so invested and I knew that it had a blog type feel yeah. and my publisher wanted it to not have as much of a blog type <laughs> feel and to be more book like. And it was hard for me to like take something I had so much passion around and to and not tone it down, but change it to make it so that it worked for uh, in a book format. Um, it was one of the best experiences I had because it really helped me as a writer. But it was hard initially because I was I would be like looking at the feedback from the my editor and I'd be like, <laughs> I have to change that. I have to change this. But I like that I, part. <laughs> well, and the funny part is because I wrote so many blogs, there are some words that I used over and over again. Uh, and and blog that's fine when you're looking at a book. Not so fine. <laughs> so I really kind of had to look at that. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I talked about being, you know, a fan or, you know, super fan or an edge of fan and edge of celebrities. That didn't really fit into the book like it fit into my blogs. Yeah. So like or, you know, something was amazing. How many times can you write the word amazing in something? So I definitely <laughs> I think it helped me become a much better writer. But it was it was a little challenging during that but it all came out okay and my book actually came out on my birthday in 2021 which is super cool oh that is cool talk about it's your birthday book and it's your birthday yep yeah that's so cool i'm sorry i i don't get out much and i say cool a lot so there you go it's okay um, i say amazing a lot <laughs> <laughs> so debbie you talked about the other uh publication that you have or that you worked on do you mm -hmm. have anything coming out in the future aside from the Amplify Learning? So Amplify Learning came out in this past June. Um, I did write a section for um, one of the 100 things that parents book. Um, so I'm not sure when that's coming up, but that is the next one. Mm -hmm. And right now, as I'm working on my, I'm doing a blog series this year called the ABCs of Transforming Learning. And I'm not quite sure what I w want to do with it all when it's done. I'm right now in letter K, which comes out tomorrow. Um, every week is a different letter. But at some point, whether that becomes some sort of ebook or a publication that I actually print, I'm not sure yet. Um, but I do know I want to do something with that and take that a step further. Um, the biggest challenge, and I'm sure you understand being in the ed tech field, is like there's so many things in my book that have outdated, become outdated. <laughs> well, I mean, give it even, a day or two and then it will be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, even like Flip, how many times has Flip, Flipgrid, I mean, it, that's yes. just, you know, Adobe Sparks mentioned in my book, well, Adobe Spark is not called <laughs> Adobe Spark anymore, you know, so um, part of me has been looking at finding ways that I can create content that might not be, might be able to be more evergreen in the long run, because I feel like tech moves so fast. And, you know, with everything that's going on right now in tech, who knows what's going to happen in the next couple of months. So... You know, I feel like I want to have something that might be a little bit more evergreen um, as far as my next publication. But who knows? 
I'm sure it'll be amazing. Whatever take you go down or which way you go with it. Mm-hmm. So now that we've talked about your book, I have this question that actually is spinning off into another part of a podcast. Who knew? Uh, but what is your <laughs> education passion or soapbox? And the next podcast is actually called Passions and Soapboxes. Uh, so folks oh, can wow, just that's awesome. talk. And it's not just authors, it's all educators, because I know authors have a voice and we can read about them, but every educator has a voice and I should be able Absolutely. to amplify those as well. But I got you here now, so what what is a passion or a soapbox, one or the other? So I've kind of talked about it a little bit, but one, I think if I have to pick one, my biggest passion is really working with our youngest learners and providing them those experiences. I became a tech coach six years ago. When I became a tech coach, I was playing whack-a-mole with all of my youngest learners. And I know this will resonate with you because of what we've already talked about. And I heard this woman, Pana Asafatana, speak on um, Vicki Davis's 10-Minute Teacher podcast. Yes, yes. Are you familiar with her? Oh, Vicki Davis. She is. She's from Georgia. She's right down the street. No, I'm talking about Pana Asafatana. No, I am not. Okay, you should check her out. So Pana talked about how she was working with her students with iPads and how no matter what she did, they were throwing them in her face and she just could never catch up with them. And how we often forget that although we have to teach our students letters and and sounds so they know how to read, we all kind of like what you're talking about, we assume that they're digital natives and that they don't need those things with technology. And so... After listening to the podcast, I reached out to her on Twitter and she shared with me her BLC 18 talk, which is something I share all the time. And she talked about how she started creating these morning messages where she started explicitly teaching icons to students. And so I started to play around with that with my students. I created these morning messages. I started explicitly teaching them these icons. And as I did that, I started to see things changing to the point where after at the end of that first year, I had created an icon wall in my classroom because back then we had computer labs, mm-hmm. not anymore. <laughs> and I started really seeing a change, not just with my youngest learners, but with my older learners as well. And the following year, they I ended up in this room that was too tiny to have a wall. Um, <laughs> and I noticed I had less time. Um, and so I started doing it more of as, as an algorithm. And... That helped a lot, too. Um, But as I've been working on my ISTE certification, I started to realize that although I no longer gave grades, I still need to use rubrics. And so what I've been doing now, and I'm going to talk about this in my TCEA session as well, is I have something I've created that's called an EDU Rubicon that has icons on the left-hand side and criteria for success on the right. And it's become something that has really empowered my learners. And I spend a lot of time with my youngest learners, making sure I teach them those tools and that I give them scaffolds to show them that I believe in them, not just that and I think a lot of times teachers are trying to help kids because that's what we do. We're, we, we're, we're, yes. we're servant leaders, <laughs> but we don't realize the messages we give to kids. So if you rush to a kid and you help them every time they need help versus saying to them, well, what do you think is the next step? Let's look at what the, you know, what we talked about earlier. It just changes that conversation. And I was doing, you know, we, we have iPads this year in kindergarten and pre-K and doing flip on iPads has become a little bit of a challenge, but we figured it out. <laughs> 
And, you know, I had a volunteer who was there um, helping out, and he goes, how do you get all these kids to do all these things? And I'm like, I can, I'm building those skills with them. And here they are. They're making videos about, you know, making five with Flip, <laughs> showing their understanding of math and watching each other's videos and giving, and it's an authentic purpose, and they're loving it. And... You know, I, it's so important to me that those young students get that opportunity. It's probably the thing I think I share and I speak the most on because 65% of the jobs that are going to exist in the future, we don't know what they're going to be. We have to teach our kids to be problem solvers, problem finders. Those are the important skills they need. And for me to say, oh, I'm just going to have you go on a program and follow directions is important, but that's not giving my the kids the skills they need for the future. And so I've really been promoting that um, both in my school, in my district, um, and then when I speak other places as well, because far too often when we go to tech conferences, and TCEA is, that we're both going to has a lot for littles, which I'm really happy about. We only see things for older kids, and we really have to hit the students when they're young give them those skills so that they can do amazing things in the future. Yes, and just a note about TCEA, uh, one of my partners at work, she sits in the desk in front of me, uh, she went to a TCEA something or other for elementary students like this Yeah, I actually, <laughs> I got accepted to it, to speak at it. Unfortunately, I was not able to go, so I'm hoping I get to go this year. Um, but yeah, it's an elementary conference, and I think that's so amazing. We need to have more yes. opportunities for those of us in elementary land to, because um, I feel like you're talking about silos. Elementary teachers are the most siloed of all sometimes because of the oh, fact yeah. that once you close your classroom door, it's your own you know it is you know it's hard and so but there's so many amazing things and that's really something i'm passionate about is helping especially those teachers of littles figure it out because i figured out a lot of things but i kind of figured them out on my own yes. now i want to help others figure that out so yeah that's my big soapbox <laughs> well great i love it um i'm gonna need you to do a couple of things I'm going to sure. need you to spell the name of the lady that you mentioned. Well, you don't have to spell it. You can send it to me later or tweet it out. Uh, speaking of tweeting it out, how can I just folks it to connect you. with you? <laughs> how can people connect with you? Uh, sure. I think you have like a maybe a web page, a blog, I do. Uh, I, all the things. <laughs> absolutely. So I try to keep it simple. It's um, com, And on Twitter, I'm TannenbaumTech. On Facebook. I have a Facebook group for Tannenbaum Tech. Um, Instagram, I'm on. I still need to get more active with it. I'm even on TikTok, but not really. Um, but pretty much every... I, I really was doing good with TikTok, and then I got COVID last year, and then it just never came back. Um, but I would say that Twitter is the best place to find me. Twitter and Facebook is really where I'm the most active, um, because I really find that um, teachers who I want to reach, those are the places where I find them the most. Um, and so, and then I have a mailing list that people can subscribe to. Um, I send out newsletters every week and then I do blogs every other week. So I've really, my goal is, is that I want to really support educators any way that I can. And, um, you know, I tell people once they've come to one of my sessions, they're part of my community and they just need to let me know what they need. So... <laughs> Yes, and I did a session at FETC, and it was a call, uh, Rising Tide Lifts All the Ships. 
And it's mm-hmm. basically how folks like you and others uh, pour into the lives of other teachers and folks that are trying to learn and trying to go and how that this continual cycle of teachers helping teachers will just only make us all that much better. That's the goal because so many people have made me so much better and you know we have to help each other there's too many things going on around us in education that can pull us down so we really have to focus on the things that can pull up help help us retire that is correct well debbie thank you so much for being here i truly appreciate your time today i'm looking forward to actually seeing you face to face tcea i know and before i let you go of course i need to say whether it's in the elementary school the high school the college level always ask good questions answer the ones you can make someone feel special and be great because you are great thank you so much for having me you're welcome have a fantastic day you too